All right. Good morning. Good morning. So anyway, let's get down to it. So since I was launched into this conversation, so we know that last week was the end of the Florida legislative session. Right. Okay. So at the end of the Florida session last week, there are all these bills that went through. We found out what died and what made it through or not. This week now, Ron DeSantis is signing those bills. Some of those bills will ultimately die on his desk if he doesn't sign them. Some of which, like the radioactive roads, we're hoping he doesn't yes. sign. <laughs> and there's another one that's a super wonky bill called the local development one that essentially says that you can't you can't amend a con you can't sue for the amendment to a comp plan, which is the way that environmental groups usually accomplish that right. if they're fighting back against somebody trying to, I don't know, build like a 200 residential home in a rural area like they did in River Hall. Right. And it basically cuts out the ability for people to sue because they are then liable if they lose to pay the winner's attorney's fees. So it's just going to really chill that. Yeah. So fun. So yeah, 37 bills signed yesterday. You want me to just go through them or? Sure. Yeah. All right. There's a ton. Actually, you had them pulled out. So oh, yeah. some of them are like easier to understand. So the most, the biggest ones that were signed included the one that was called the roller skating rink safety bill, which this sounds like cool. Like, all right, we want to be safe at the roller skating rink. Really? That's something yeah. that we think that needs legislation right yeah. now? Yeah. But it's really not for safety. Okay, do tell. What is it really about, Cindy? <laughs> Actually, it just reduces the liability for skating rink owners if there's an injury. Oh, so you mean... So it's, it's like business safety. <laughs> Got it. I love how all of these bills are disguised to make it look like we're helping Florida constituents when in actuality all that the Republican Party in Florida is ever doing is protecting corporations. Right, protecting okay. business. Again, that's my argument every time when we talk about states' rights versus federal rights because when states take control the people that live in these states are generally the ones to be harmed and the federal government is usually there to be our safety net and protect us against these things but it's supposed to be case. like three sectors in a government in right. a society it's civil society business and government and government right. is supposed to mediate between business and civil society right. it's not supposed to be government works for business <laughs> To exploit civil society. That's not how it's supposed to work. This is juice, <laughs> fresh talk, although not finished our coffee yet. I am Cindy Bannier, one of your hosts, along with Sarah Wilson. Sarah Wilson. I just dove right into the Florida <laughs> legislature because apparently that's the only thing I think of. And today, this I didn't even listen. On Monday night, this is what a nerd I am. I sat there reading all of the bills that died on Friday. Really? Yeah, it took me hours. This is how you spend your Friday nights. This is what I do with my no, life. No, this week for <laughs> to bring this to you. I feel this week has been explosive though in the news. And maybe that's because I was like out of the loop for a couple weeks, which I missed you all. I'm so happy to be back here at Seed and Bean this morning. Right. With Cindy missing Chantel, of course. But I felt like this week everything was just popping off everywhere. You have the indictment for George Santos. You oh, yeah. Have the verdict for Donald Trump. You have, what am I missing? Oh, the town hall. Something really huge. Yes, the town hall. But something really big for Florida is the ballot initiative for abortion. That's huge yep. right now. Yep. And Southwest Florida is going to be very involved with that. And we'll bring details to you as they come on how you can get involved with that. But we are making sure that regardless of what our authoritative government in the state of Florida is doing right now, we are going to put democracy to work in whatever ways that we can here in the state of Florida. So look out for ways that you can get involved. But yeah, I'm just like, my, so my stories on Instagram, people are so annoyed with me, I'm sure of it, because I'm like, share, share this week. It was just nuts. It was one thing after another. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about the more fun stuff in a minute. Let me let's yeah, go through yeah, some more. Recap the, the Florida, Florida legislature. legislature. Because actually, because there's all this other stuff, and this is purposeful, I think, sometimes, oh. th that when there's these big things happening, all these small things fall through the cracks. Exactly. Like, who really gives a shit about the roller skate rink safety bill? Roller skaters and <laughs> roller skate rink owners, I guess, all 15 of them in the state or whatever. But, right. like, 
They have big implications. Some of them really do. So let's talk about some of the other ones that went through. So there was the, I think it was, believe the subtitle, this Tyree Simpson Safety Act. There was that young man who had died falling out of the ride in Orlando. Mm -hmm. So there was some increased regulations on safety regulations for some of those rides. That that I think will be ultimately good for the public. Also, we had something that was very terrible that went through, which was Ron DeSantis signed, of course, bill protecting his travel and his Mm -hmm. security detail from freedom of information requests, which is, of course, just a way for him to shroud the use of public funds and public dollars for his campaign use. So you can't know where he is, has been and how much it could cost the public. So that's some of them. Some of the other changes that he signed included the additional financial disclosures for local candidates. That was something that only federal candidates had to do in the past, but now he wants all local people who are running for office to disclose, which I think is okay, but I feel like there's probably some other reason why he was hot to trot on that. Good thing was the Florida funding and support for the Florida History Black History Museum. That will be good. One thing that we were talking about was, we believe it's called the Medical Conscience Law, that basically says that any physician, any doctor in the state of Florida can reject service for a patient based on their own religious and moral beliefs, which we were joking about saying is you can over, I don't, I don't want to, I want to treat any lesbian. So get out of here kind of thing. Like you could, but it opens up for that type of thing. Like you, they can reject basically allow physicians to reject any type of care to any type of person on their own moral and religious grounds, which, by the way, goes against the Hippocratic Oath, right. exactly which is what, what doctors are supposed say, to do. Like that, so. that goes against the whole, the whole premise of what it means to be a physician and to care for those who need your care. And to me, it's like calling it the medical conscience, <laughs> like where is your conscience? So you, your conscience says that you can't treat somebody who is opposed to your religious beliefs, but where is your conscience in turning away patients in need of your services as a physician taking that oath? Yeah. And really it's just a loophole for discrimination. It is a loophole for discrimination. So th- some of these will probably be challenged. That one will likely be challenged. Right. Other ones that we're looking at, so a lot of public records requests. Those are all, by the way, attempts to keep what Ron DeSantis and his cronies are doing in Tallahassee right. out of the public records request. So we're making exactly. it a higher qualification of what is a public official. So you can't get those records. So not this is not transparency. This is the opposite of transparency. This is authoritarian type of stuff. This is bad stuff. I'm trying to look. These are just the ones that were signed yesterday. 37 bills signed yesterday, by the way. So they, something about the state parks. Okay, so now you can reserve campsites or something a month in advance, why we needed state requirement for that. I don't know. Sounds okay. <laughs> Something else, there's the seagrass technology one. I'm I'm president of the Democratic Environmental Caucus here in Lee County and very involved in the state with environmental issues. So one of the things that we realize as we're analyzing environmentally related bills in the state is that if there's this kind of thing where there's, oh, we're going to fix the seagrass, or there was another one where there was oddly an Israeli company a few years ago that was going to solve the harmful algal bloom problem. Yeah, this like problem, perennial problem that no scientist has found. But this one company that some dude in Tallahassee knew was going to solve <laughs> it for us. Okay. So they put hundreds of millions of dollars into it. Of course, we know that was complete horseshit. This is what usually happens. So like the seagrass thing sounds like a good idea. Seagrass is important for all the whole ecosystem, but it's what manatees eat. So because of pollutants and global warming, sea level, sea water intrusion, saltwater intrusion, all these different types of things, seagrass has been diminishing across the state. And that's why in 2022, we saw the highest rate of manatee deaths of any year on recent record. Oh, wow. They're, and essentially, they're like starving to death. And that's why people are like, oh, we got to help the manatees. So this project, and I don't know enough about it to say definitively whether or not it's a boondoggle, but oftentimes when this type of thing comes in front of the state legislature, it's somebody's friend. It's a way to throw money. Yeah. And to look like, oh, of course we care about the manatees. Of course we do. Yeah. Of course we do. But it's, oh, but my buddy is now going to get this sweet contract. Right. And maybe we'll save a couple manatees. Maybe not. And if not, fucking cares anyway. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm super cynical about the legislature, too. No, with good reason. It's been a shit show of a legislative session. And let's not forget about some of the big things that were signed immediately. So here, this is, let me tell you about this process, too. So there were things that were passed through the state legislature that were signed immediately. Some of them were Mm -hmm. priority, political priorities, like the permitless carry which Ron DeSantis signed like in the middle of the night in on on in his book tour yeah. like he went and same with abortion and abortion it, one that he signed right away cuz that was one of his big pledges to his right. far right donors and things yeah. like that the those ones as well as by the way the school choice one that basically allows any public dollars to follow a child to any public or private school yes which will decimate our education system so that was signed straight away and of course the very first bill that was passed through this legislative session which was tort reform which is uh-huh. oh god people love tort reform don't they no they don't tort I'm, reform. I'm a pre-law student and i'm like dreading tort so okay. that's nobody likes it yeah so basically it's what the first one was about the insurance companies making it harder for folks to sue insurance companies which really was a slap in the face to us here in southwest florida after hurricane E. I know personally several people that are in litigation with their insurance companies because they either underpaid or haven't paid at all out on their claim. And right now, that first piece of legislation who went right back to the donors that funded Ron DeSantis and other Republicans in the state legislature was was a handout, was a give me right back to the insurance companies so they don't have to deal with these pesky people trying to get their payouts after a hurricane, which, by the way, is going to keep happening. But let's go back to the other big bill, which was... The six-week abortion ban was signed, will go into effect on July 1st. Oh, before we jump in, there's Howard Sapp. Howard, Howard. good morning. Good morning. Love you, Howard. And I want let's jump into the, the ballot initiative, but shout yeah. out since Howard is on here. If you're really pissed off about the six-week abortion ban, like I am and like so many other folks, we got to elect people who are yes. pro-choice and willing to put freedom above their own personal position on things. Right. Howard is actually running against Jenna Persons, uh-huh. Malika, who is the co-signer, or she was one of the co-signers of the bill on the six-week abortion ban. Right. Howard is 100% behind women's rights and pro-choice, making sure that we have access to the healthcare that we need. And I have get behind to say, Howard. Howard is a candidate for everyone. To know him is to love him. I don't care what party you affiliate with. Howard is an incredible individual who really cares about the Southwest Florida community as a whole. Like I said, if I don't care what party you belong to, you meet this man, you give him a chance, and you know he's going to fight for you. And that's whoever you are, wherever you are, he's got you. So I tell Howard all the time, man, all you need to do is hit every door in Southwest Florida. Because if people meet you yep. and understand what a fighter you are for this for this Southwest Florida area, you got him in the bag. That's right. That's this right. Is incredible. But yes, that... <laughs> You're welcome, Howard. (laughs) We got you. But let's go the ballot initiative. That launched this week. Tell us about it. Okay, so the ballot initiative, there's a couple different organizations involved with launching the ballot initiative. And really, it's been a coalition that has been built from several different organizations to form a new organization. There are so many that I don't have the details on all of those organizations. I know that Sarah from... Women's Voices of Southwest Florida. She is huge in this right now. She has really shown up. She's been in Tallahassee. And man, I'm seeing her everywhere in the work she's putting in. I just want to give her that shout out. And what's happening is that these people, these organizations have come together, built a coalition, and they have, I think they kicked it off two days ago, the ballot initiative. The details are still coming in on the role that Women's March for Fort Myers and Lee County now the role that we're going to have. But I think that we are going to have a big role in this and have some kickoffs and initiatives going on right here in Fort Myers. So the details are not in on that just yet, but we'll keep you posted as those details come in because there's trainings and things like that you have to get involved in order to go out and initiate getting those signatures. And I do, I pulled up, so there's a main website that is coordinating all these different organizations. Um, And it is floridiansprotectingfreedom.com. Floridiansprotectingfreedom.com. We'll make sure that's in the show notes when we post this, the edited version. So that's the coalition. There's folks all across the state. But let's roll back as to what this is. Because I bet you, listen, unless you're a wonk, you may not know what this ballot initiative is. So basically what this is, is you have to get, how many signatures? are Basically a million. Which is a lot, we know, but there are a lot of By November. 
by November, which means we need, we need your you. help. But I, we need a lot of help, but most Floridians do not want this abortion ban. Right. So if we get the help that we need to get out into communities, it's so possible to make this happen. Yeah. And what happens is when we get those petitions and signatures, a million by November, then this goes on the ballot for 2024. And we can vote just like we did to raise minimum wage. Right. We can vote on getting rid of this ban and making abortion a right in the state of Florida. So we need your right. help. Please go to the website. Like Cindy said, I'm sorry. I'm like, I've been out of the loop for a couple of weeks, so I don't have all the websites and protecting all freedom.com. Yeah. So yeah. So basically this, so this is a, the ballot initiative. It, we do the petitions this summer. We get them in. We get them verified. So we're going to need a million and change. We need So we need folks out everywhere, knocking doors at events. You as a volunteer, by the way, can do the petitions. Uh-huh. They're not just paid canvassers. So if you're really passionate about this, you want to take it to your women's club meeting or right. whatever, you can get that. You can print it off. Actually, if you go to FloridiansProtectingFreedom.com, you can print your own ballot as initiative a petition to sign and send as well yeah so that will help but once it's once we get that in this will be on the ballot as sarah said and become an amendment in the state constitution that's how we do referendums here in the state of florida so that means that right will be protected so the florida legislature won't be allowed to make bills or pass laws that go against the constitution because then it can be knocked down in the florida supreme court exactly And, you know, the thing about these petitions, just like voter registration, there is training involved because we have to be very careful to cross our T's and dot our I's because they can get rejected. So that's another thing that we have to keep our eye on and make sure that we're staying diligent on getting the right information. And let me tell you right now, because I've been working with the folks recently on the right to clean water, which is another initiative that we have in the state of Florida. And that is the same thing, trying to get the ballot of a million signatures by November that will put onto the ballot in 2024 and into the state constitution that every Floridian has a right to clean water. Do you believe that we don't even have that right now, by the way, guys, do you believe that they can just companies in the state can just pollute the water and that we have no recourse? This amendment will end that. But what has been happening with that initiative this thus far is that they are getting up to 50% of the ballots rejected because people are not careful about their signatures. So here's the hot tip that everybody needs to know. As you see these, also marijuana is on the ballot as well. When When people come up and ask you to sign these, make sure that you sign it in the same way that you would sign your ballot like right. your actual ballot so which is your id as well all of that needs to match correct it doesn't necessarily so you submit your signature to the voter registration office okay, okay? so you can update this yeah online today for those of you who change your signature style like i do yeah i do too sometimes like i have the quick signature right. and then i have the more formal one and what you can actually change this every single year if you want, but you yeah. go into your, you can start with vote.org in Lee County here. You go to lead.vote. You yeah. can change that signature. And so you know what it's like, because you can get your own ballot rejected mm-hmm. sign wrong. Yeah. A good rule of thumb then is to make sure that it matches the one that's on your driver's license. Yeah. Now here's a important with your ballot. When we vote, you can check that. And I always do to make sure that it's oh, counted just point. in case they reject it because of my signature. Is there a way to do that with these ballot initiatives? I don't think with the ballot initiatives they are. Now, I do know that the people who are organizing them are trying to gather information. So if there's a problem, if you signed it and there's a problem, they may follow up with you. Okay. But it's a lot tougher in that respect. But that's also a good reason why you should sign up for your vote by mail as well. Right. Because the vote by mail gives you that opportunity. You can submit it early and then you can check to make sure that your ballot was counted. And we, they did change the law in 2022 to clear those voter rolls. So you are not signed up for vote by mail for 2024. Yeah. So you need to do that. So when you go to vote.org, if you're somewhere else in the state of Florida or lead.vote, if you're right here in Lee County, go and Make sure you sign up for your vote by mail and make sure you update your signature. Yeah. These are more of those voter suppression tactics making it more difficult for folks to vote. So don't let them succeed in that. Make sure you're getting your ballot. Exactly. All right. One more. What other stuff's going on? For me, one thing that I'm very passionate about is immigration because I feel like a lot of people do not understand immigration 
in the United States yeah. and our policies on immigration and specifically asylum seeking. Yep. And I think a lot of the rhetoric that is spewed about immigration reform gives these false narratives yeah. about what is legal, what isn't, and how we handle immigration. Both at the state and national level right now, we're dealing with major immigration stuff. Ron DeSantis signed an immigration bill that basically has now made it illegal for undocumented immigrants to work in the state of Florida. Not only illegal, but the employer, because it already technically is, but the employers can be fined $10,000 per undocumented employee. And we are already seeing the effects of that, specifically in South Florida, mostly in construction and agriculture, where folks are scared. They're afraid they're going to be deported, so they're leaving their jobs, they're leaving the state. Yeah, and I'm going to pull that up while you're talking. What okay. a lot of people in this state specifically do not understand is the immigration community is such a huge and crucial part of our economy here in Florida when it comes to agriculture and construction. And I feel like I have a little bit of insight on this from a different perspective because okay. I was a workers' comp adjuster. Okay. For And this was years ago. But I was able to see kind of like the inside scoop on how these undocumented workers would be treated when they would be injured mm. by their employers. And there were so many situations where I, because I handled a lot of the farms in South Florida mm. and in on the other coast in Fort Pierce in that area, a lot of the orange groves and such. And I would get these claims from employees getting injured and we would go out and I would send my outside adjuster and they would do these recorded statements. And in a lot of cases, the employees would be undocumented. And then I would go to the employer. We would have this, we were in constant communication and the employers would always say, we'll deny the claim. They're undocumented. That doesn't mean anything in workers comp. You are still entitled to coverage. You're still an employee. But the interesting part of that is in, almost every recorded statement we would get from that undocumented employee, they would say that their employer is the one who sent them to around the corner to get false documents for working. So again, a lot of these corporations are have direct interest in undocumented workers because another thing that was very common is the undocumented workers would make pennies to the dollar of the they other can, employees. They can be exploited because right. they're right. There was one case I had where the gentleman was an undocumented immigrant from Jamaica. He was 78 years old and he was still making minimum wage after working for this grower for 30 years. Oh my. Yes. And the employer wanted to deny his claim after 30 years of hard labor in his fields for minimum wage, never getting a pay increase, except for when minimum wage went up over the 30 years. So please understand how crucial these individuals are as a part of our community because they are a part of our community. Yeah. And why we have not seen immigration reform. The reason why we have not seen comprehensive immigration reform is because corporations stand to benefit from keeping immigrants undocumented. So that is why we're not seeing that. The politicians, especially the GOP, they do not want these people to gain legal status. That's why they always are balking on the pathway to citizenship and things like that right. even for dreamers. But I pulled this up, so I want to give everybody the information right. about yeah. what is in this bill. So it makes it mandatory for the E-Verify system to be used for employers with 25 or more employees. Okay, the E-Verify oh, yes. system is the one where you put in, you know, the information and it checks out their documentation. There are penalties for those employing people illegally and enhances penalties for human smuggling. Local governments cannot issue IDs to somebody who is undocumented, which has been, that's a big sticking point in the GOP. Mm -hmm. But additionally, this is the scary part too. It requires mm -hmm. hospitals to collect and submit data on the cost of providing healthcare to and he right. uses so illegal aliens, but that's inappropriate terminology. Right. So basically that means that hospitals and medical facilities will have to report the status of, of immigrants. Yeah. And status. so this is going to be very dangerous for people. We already have a situation where people who are migrants to this country are very reticent to receive any type of mm -hmm. medical care. They don't go to the police if there's abuse of any, and this is going to make that situation worse. Right. There's nothing in this that tells me that all of a sudden these companies are going to say, oh, of course, let me 
they just start hiring Americans? The Americans aren't there. That's the thing. These are jobs that most Americans are unwilling to take. Right. And that's that's the point. And that's what we're hearing like in news from all over the state that are losing these employees saying, we don't have people to fill these positions. Instead, we have construction sites going dead. We have farms empty. So again, these are crucial members of our community and going to the national level to discuss the legalities of asylum seeking. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about this is illegal. you got to come here legally. First of all, nobody really understands how difficult that is to apply for citizenship or for a green card visa from another country, and, especially in South or Central America. And asylum seekers are legally exactly. seeking. That's the <laughs> point I was going to make. Yeah. It is absolutely please share this with your friends. It is absolutely legal for someone to show up at a U.S. border and ask for asylum. And the problem is, and the misconception is that we just hand that out like crazy. And we don't. In fact, many times you have to have proof, which I'm sorry, when you're fleeing a nation that is in the middle of turmoil and violence, you don't really always have the proof that you need asylum. And there are all of these restrictions, which are now there's going to be new restrictions from the Biden administration because Title 42 ended yesterday as well. So that's which was the covid era restriction that had been put in by the Trump administration so that it made it easy to basically deport anybody who was coming to the border. It was extended by Biden. There was some additional controversy over it. It was reinstated by the Supreme Court at one point and then it formally ended yesterday. So there is a lot of what's called fear-mongering by the right about this immigrant crisis, this border crisis, okay? There is some estimates that there's somewhere around like 65,000 immigrants waiting at the border who are looking to cross after Title 42 ends. However, there are other places that are like, oh, this has been happening the whole time. There have been immigrants coming, seeking, trying to seek asylum in the United States. And it's just... Calling it a border crisis is a fear-mongering tactic that the right Right. is using to get people worried. And they're calling it an invasion. They're using very xenophobic and dangerous language around that as well. And not only that, like Chantel sent me a video that has, it's a fear-mongering video that is being shared on conservative news outlets of all of these immigrants marching towards the border. And it's like thousands and thousands. And my response is, yeah, that's what happens when you block asylum for years on end. And that video was proven to be fake, by the way. I'm sure. It was actually a march in Argentina, I believe. And I figured that was probably the case. But regardless, yes, we are going to see an influx because we have been blocking asylum for years. Not only that, here's another important part that I think people need to pay attention to. The violence and turmoil and instability in Central and South America is a direct result of U.S. intervention and European colonialism. So let's keep that in mind when we're talking about people fleeing from these countries and the instability over years and years that has been created in yeah. part by us. Yeah. So speaking of the devil herself, shout out in the comments there. Hope you hope you got that problem solved, dear. <laughs> We'll keep that on the download. <laughs> why Chantal isn't here this morning, but we miss her. We do miss her too. But yeah, I just, I, okay. So let me tell you, I'm going to tell this story. It'll be real quick. Okay. One of the reasons why I, so you definitely have amazing experience working to help folks. Let me drop a bomb right now. I've been an illegal immigrant. Oh yeah. In two countries. Okay. And this is what, yeah. Okay. Look, I'm a white American. Okay. But this is, so immigration is a misconception that you have to have brown skin to be an illegal immigrant. Right. But listen, this is immigration is a policy. Okay. It's a government policy process regulations. And this whole component about being undocumented and whatever is really easy to actually muck up. And in the United States, here's some facts on that, that the vast majority of people who are quote unquote fall into the undocumented category are people who had been documented immigrants and their visa ran out. So we are talking about people and all of whom, by the way, the majority of whom fly in. So it's 70% or more, 80% fly into the United States. So this whole concept that the border is a problem is it's, there's a local problem and things like that. But, but yeah, so people fly in, they're students, they're, they have short-term work contracts, sometimes they're tourists, and they stay because, you know what, humans, life, 
you find somebody that you want to be your partner and you decide to stay and you have children or you have a great business opportunity. So you start and you work in a business. This is what happens with people all over the world. People migrate and actually not even that many of them, but right. we move to different places. So here's my story. So I went to Taiwan on a tourist visa and I started working. That made me an undocumented worker until I got my paperwork. And it took me about four months or so yeah. before I was able to move from my tourist documentation to my resident card. Okay. And I had to do things like what they call it visa runs. Okay. Which included one time going to Hong Kong, which was super fun. And another time taking a casino boat just out of Taiwan waters into international waters and back so that they would stamp my passport because then I get like another 90 days or whatever. Okay. So that was me being an illegal immigrant in Taiwan. Then I got legal. I was legit. I was fine. Okay. Then I went to Japan on a student visa. So I lived in Taiwan for three years, five years in Japan. My student visa, that was probably technically immigration fraud, how I got my visa. Because they required, this is another thing that people don't know, they required money in the bank to get a visa, right? Mm -hmm. In Japan, I had to prove that I could pay for my entire master's degree. They wanted all that money in the bank, right? Wow. They would actually settle for half of it. And that's what I ended up doing. But of course, I didn't have half of a master's degree. At the time, it was like $12,000. So all of my friends, this is true, gave me money in a duffel bag. So I had $12,000 in Taiwan dollars in like a backpack. That I went and I drove down the mountain, put it in the bank. I lived, I worked on the top of the mountain, drove back up during lunch, drove back up, <laughs> went back the next day, printed a piece of paper that said I had $12,000 in the bank, withdrew all the money, put it back in my backpack, drove back up to the top of the mountain, handed it back out to all my friends. So you're a genius. Yeah. So that was, yeah. So that was, yeah, probably not how they envisioned that regulation to work, but that's what I did. Cause I, I was, I wanted to go to school and then I get to Japan and I had to work because here's the other thing is I thought they had the student loan program. They don't. So I had to pay all that money in reality. So then I had to work. So I had to work three jobs at the same time. I was like doing tutoring at the university. I was a bartender and I was a kindergarten teacher. Which is oh, and a professional boxer. That's common in the United States too for undocumented right. immigrants. They're working how like yeah. 24 7 to yep. be able to support to themselves stay and, and send stay money back. The, yeah. Mine was just like to save myself from shame of being deported. And I also wanted to finish my degree. So there I am. I'm like, all right, I have to pay. But here's the thing the visa, the student visa in Japan, you are not allowed to work in certain places. Mm -hmm. And especially my job at the bar, I was not allowed to work at that bar on my visa, yet I worked anyway. And by the way, one part of the story that I totally forgot to tell you is that I actually, in both those countries, as an illegal immigrant, doing work that was not consistent with what my visa was, I had escape plans from my job. And I had to use them too. So in Taiwan, I was working as a kindergarten teacher. We technically, as foreigners, were not allowed to be kindergarten teachers. This was like a local protectionist type of thing. But we were part of an elementary school. So as immigration and they were coming up the mountain, oh God. they told us to, we had to take off our work shirts and then all of the kindergarten teachers had to walk up to the elementary school to avoid immigration. Wow. <laughs> so I've run from immigration before. Then in, in Japan, when I was a bartender, I, again, it was like this weird local regulation. The bar itself wasn't allowed to be a, a nightclub or whatever. It, you had to have the music like under a certain decibel. So anyway, the cops were coming. They weren't also allowed to hire foreigners, but I was super cute in my twenties guys. So, they, <laughs> so yeah. So again, I had to like take off my shirt, pretend I was a patron and we had to turn the music down. We had to move all the chairs and I just stand there and pretend I was like at the bar while the authorities came. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. I didn't take that. the shirt off. I meant like the work shirt, Sean. <laughs> it's not like a topless bar. It was just a dance club. Okay? I mean. It was just like a nightclub where there's a lot of Navy dudes hey, there. Anyway. Listen, don't judge anyway. If she wanted to take her top off, <laughs> do it. No, it wasn't like that. But no, I just had to take my work shirt off. Okay. Got it. Then it made me strip for this. So it was <laughs> a different thing. So yeah, but it was fascinating. And here's the difference that when I tell these stories, and it's, it, it's interesting because it's a very different scenario. I was, I consider myself like an economic migrant. I was a student migrant into Japan, but the difference between those scenarios and what happens here in the United States is that it at never once was conveyed to me that I personally was going to jail. 
or that I personally was going to get deported. All of those tactics, all of those things that we did was to protect the company from getting in trouble because they were the ones that ultimately would have had the responsibility according to those laws and those two countries for having hired me. It was never... It wasn't like the meatpacking thing during COVID. Remember the meatpacking plant and the immigration came down and then they deported those people. Right. And there were very little consequences for the company itself. That was the difference in the, between those different countries. It was never, I was never personally going to be deported Got it. or incarcerated for those jobs. It was assumed to be the company's responsibility. Yeah. Cindy's wildlife. Story times, y'all. Story times. Well, and that's the thing, too. Even when you talk about immigration here and ICE, and I know a lot of people have this, oh, when Trump was in office, there was really no difference when Trump was in office. And we need to have this clarified that the only difference when Trump was in office is that there were more ICE agents at the border committing torture, honestly. If you, there's documentaries you can watch that kind of cover the Trump administration tactics that were used in the Arizona desert specifically, because what happened when the wall went up, it didn't deter, it didn't deter people from crossing the border. What it did, it made them take alternate routes, which were more dangerous. And he knew that he knew that putting up the wall in certain areas would force people through the Arizona desert, which is, I want to say quicker, but far more dangerous. And no, not quicker either, but people, a lot of times there's been, Thousands of bodies found out there from people dying of dehydration, trying right. to make their way in to the after they've even crossed the border, but getting into the United States. And that is the difference. And there's actual footage of ice copters and ice like ATVs chasing people around out there that are already dehydrated and just torturing them. Like just for they have them, they're just chasing them around out there in the desert. And that's what we've really seen as a difference. Also, another thing that the GOP uses is the rise in cartels, the cartels expanding. And part of that is a result of the Trump administration policies, because what has happened is a lot of people think that the cartels only push and traffic drugs. They don't. In fact, their number one business right now is human Weapons. trafficking weapons and human trafficking and the reason why they've expanded on that front is because the wall made it more difficult for people to cross and again that did not limit the number of people coming in this country because when people are desperate they will find their way in and these people and this is what everyone needs to understand they are desperate they're desperate enough to crawl through a desert knowing that it could be days or weeks until they get water to make it here because what they fear where they left. And another misconception is that, oh, they just want to come to the United States because, oh, we're just so great. A lot of these undocumented immigrants and immigrants, period, they don't want to leave their home. Like that's their home. They have families there. So we need to really change the narrative on this whole conversation if we're ever going to be effective and actually creating solutions that don't that can have benefits for everyone because our immigrants, immigrant communities are a great benefit to this country. Yeah. And yes, I always talk about this in terms of thinking that migrants are humans. Mm -hmm. They're humans. Humans move. Humans do what they want to do. Everybody is worthy of dignity. And there is the criminal element with the cartels. And yes, there has been a rise in human trafficking out of that. But here's the other thing that's a misconception. The southern border is not the largest place entry. that that drugs, it's not even the largest port of entry for migrants of any strike, but it's also not the place that drugs are coming in. They're coming in ports. Guys. Mm -hmm. they, listen, they're getting coming in ships. You know why? Because we coming into the ports, 90% of all American products come in through ports, like the deep water boats. Okay. And those Things go onto trucks and the trucks take them other places, right? But those ports, less than 1% of the goods that come through those ports is ever inspected, okay? Right. So it's actually super easy to haul in tons of illegal products of any kind through the ports and they know how to do it and that's what they do. And they have American help. <laughs> so let's not miss this. <laughs> Sean says build a wall around the ports and make the fish pay for it. Great idea, Sean. 
And in fact, <laughs> a lot of the reason they're able to do this is because they have the help of many Americans. In fact, I don't know if any of you heard of this, but just a couple months ago, the union, the police union president in California was arrested for trafficking fentanyl across the southern border, a white woman. So we need to also discuss the racist implications and how we talk about immigration, because like Cindy said, there are a lot of people from other nations around the world that are coming here undocumented, flying in on a plane, and nobody would ever know it because they don't have brown skin. So we're only targeting certain groups of immigrants anyway, but... Americans are orchestrating and a part of the fentanyl crisis that's sure. what we're calling a crisis. But I actually heard a professor speak who is a she's an expert on the border and U.S.-Mexico relations. And she pointed out something crucial that what we have in America is an opioid crisis. And if not for that... We wouldn't see drugs coming into the country the way that we are, fentanyl specifically. So maybe if we handled drug addiction issues as mental health issues in the United States, we wouldn't have all of these problems. I don't know. It's There's just something about treating the root cause for me <laughs> what? of all of these issues. I don't know. Let's just throw a band-aid on it. I hope it gets better. That's all we ever do. That's all we ever do. <laughs> No, I'm okay. so sick of it. Sick of it. And let me just throw one little other spike in there because these are heavy. These are also complex issues. Yeah, Here's go the off thing: on a million tangents. Well, yeah, because these are they're complex and it's all like this. But let me throw one more thing in there just to make it a little bit more throw complex because this is part of the discussion that I think is fascinating, given some of the other political positions of our friends like Sean Hartman on the other side of the aisle. A large portion of the people who are coming to the southern border right now are coming from Venezuela and Cuba. They are refugees from communist countries. Don't we hate communism? Yeah, here? I thought we wanted to help communism. Yeah, or help people help flee people. from communism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what part of me. That's wait a second. I thought we were. That's why we had the whole wet foot, dry foot policy with Cuba to begin yeah, with, which yeah, is yeah. ended. By the way, it's yeah. ended. And that's the other thing. Why, if there's ever somebody whose family migrated from Cuba and they go on and on about legal migration, you need to remind them that the United States had a special immigration policy for Cubans that meant that if they literally got to U.S. soil in any way, shape, or form, that was wet foot, dry foot, right? So one foot in the water, one foot on the beach in Florida, they were allowed a pathway to citizenship. Which There's was, no other class of Americans which was that have had that. by the Cuban raft crisis. Yep. We could go on a whole tangent just about that and how that policy came about but yes speak to it cindy i'm sorry no I'm that's what i'm saying it's like you just like this concept that oh they did it legally yeah it was legal because somebody made a policy to make it legal and that's right. where we get the responsibility back to policy makers and understand that xenophobia can be driving this Polit politics can be driving this somebody's a desire to have a simple solution to a complex problem that's my take on the wall right. oh we'll build a wall and all the problems are done that does not solve Almost any part of in the fact, problem. In fact, it heightened a lot of them. Like yeah. I said, it heightened a lot of them. We put a lot of traffickers in business yeah. by doing that. Right. Yep. Okay. I, we've been talking for a long time, so and let's we, wrap it up. We didn't even cover Donald Trump's atrocious <sighs> statements in his town hall or in his deposition, which I'm not sure if anybody listened to, but you should. I don't should. want to talk about it. Let's him. just plug that. I know. A lot of CNN's getting shit right now because like, they... I don't have fucking CNN, y'all. I don't care. That was my well, biggest well, president. Who is watching this? Who is cable anymore? I understand that. And that's why Ooh. CNN is getting a lot of flack for even giving him this platform. But the truth is he is the number one contender for the GOP right now for a presidential candidate. True. We have to take this seriously. But if it was... Like, where's Asa Hutchinson? Where's Asa? <laughs> want Asa. I want Nick. If y'all gonna do that, get them all on there. I agree. Listen, yeah. here we are again. So if you want to hear about the Trump stuff, turn into Sean and I on, sun on Sunday. We'll talk about that. Oh, okay. I'm um, going to do that. I'm going to do that. Because that's where we have Democrat and Republican. You can come and have a beer with us at Ollie's then. That's always a good time too. Yeah. But yeah, so there was that, the E.G. Carroll. So let's just touch on that because we just got a few minutes. Okay. We'll end we'll, on we'll that. Just, okay. We'll just So there little. was the civil trial 
for the lawsuits by E. Jean Carroll, who was a woman to, who claimed that Trump sexually assaulted her in a department store it, 20 years ago, something along those lines. somewhere around. And there were some interesting things that have come about that. So long story short on that is that he was found liable for sexual abuse and asked to pay $5 million. There's defamation co components to that. And uh, some of the interesting things that came out of the, the testimony are what have people talking about. So you want to talk about some of those things? What was the most interesting one of that? Interesting? Well, I don't know that I would call it that. Disgusting. What struck you? Even if it struck you right on the head. I'm, I'm trying to remember. What was the one thing where he was like... I don't even remember where he was talking about how she just wasn't his type. And he's just, and then there was I a don't picture. even give life this, to the word. This is the one that was, that got me. She, yeah. He had said, oh, she's oh, the not picture my Oh, where he couldn't tell her, her from his wife? Yes. The picture oh, that he identified her as his, he thought that, that was a picture of his former wife, Marla Maples. Oh, so Sean's got the bootleg we can watch. Okay. Oh, Sean, send that bootleg. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I thought it was Marla. That for me was like. Oh, man. <laughs> you just really stepped in that way. Where I thought, okay, I will say something I thought was interesting in the deposition when he said, when they asked him about grabbing women by the pussy, and he said, yeah, that's been true for a million years, that if you're a star. And I'm like, it's just like Trump to, like, completely exaggerate. Completely exaggerate. True. It has been like, yes, sexual abuse against women has been common I don't, for a million years, I don't pretty much. Think, but, but the human, I like, don't think people homo sapiens have been around. Yeah, exactly. That's where I, I was like, did you get some new science, Donald, that we haven't been privy to on the all that really of did, homo that, All that did for me, because that, that struck me too, but all that did for me was like reinforce this concept that he truly felt entitled oh, to yeah. that behavior. Yeah, and that, see, that's where it, like, goes even deeper because it's, yeah, that has been common. It has been common that men are just allowed to sexually abuse women whenever they feel like it. And it's, no one's asking the question of how we feel about that or how we have felt about that. And only until recently do we really even have a voice about it. And especially, like, after the Me Too movement where you're finding out, no, women didn't just want to be grabbed by the pussy. Sorry, that's what turns you out, Donald Trump. <laughs> Especially by your vile ass. But Turns out that, uh, yeah, we don't really care for that. We don't at all. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I've broken kind of fingers for that, actually. I, and that's what I said. Chantal sent me something, and I was like, I wish he would have. Because that would have been the last time his tiny hands would have grabbed anything. Yeah, so when I was a bartender, so I did drop in there that I was a professional boxer at the same time. And it's like a fun game that Japanese men like to play where they come up behind women in skirts and they stick their fingers up. Some dude did that to me. And I'm fast as shit when I was boxing, too. So I grabbed him by the hand, turned him back up, broke his fingers and put him up against the wall and be like, what the fuck are you doing? And he didn't really do that. And again, and then he probably left my bar. I actually escorted another gentleman face first through a series of doors and then down nine flights of stairs for doing that to my friend. Ladies, try it, bitches. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe we need to be teaching some like self defense classes slash something. I think like that, I would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't like a smoking hot chick in Japan. Uh, the things that like... I would, in the men that I kicked out of bars when I was bartending, I one time bartended at this for two days because it's all I could take. It was like a bottle club. And it was open during the day, and I worked, like, mornings, okay? So you know what kind of crowds go into a bar on a morning, like, midweek. And one morning, this man said the wrong thing to me, and he was, like, a bottle member and had the key. Like, do you know about bottle clubs where you have to have the key? I don't know. I kicked him out. Sounds but, gross. But, yeah, yeah that job lasted two days because I'm like, nope, not for me. Not going to tolerate this kind of talk. What was funny about when I was a bartender in Japan is that because I was a fighter at the time, I didn't care. I would, I'd jump over the bar and fuck somebody up. I didn't care. Yeah. Especially, but what that, especially after I chucked the dude out by his face, all the women saw that. They loved that. Cause like our bar was shaped where like the security couldn't see the back. And so actually more women started coming because they knew that I wasn't going to tolerate that behavior. But the other dudes, like the other security guys, and I actually got into this like in our, 
meetings. Anyway, I don't want to go into weird Japanese management culture, but we would have meetings at 8 a.m. after the bar closed. And I had to be like, no, like you can't, because they were always afraid, like, oh, if we're like mean to the guys, they're not going to come. I'm like, no, don't be an idiot. Protect the women, because if there are women that come and they feel safe, Men the dudes are going to come and they're going to behave themselves because they want to be where the women are. And so we actually ended up growing the business so much. We were full to the gills and full of women all the time because they knew that I wasn't going to take that shit from those meandering hands. The worst, though, <laughs> was when you would get tough with a guy that was being inappropriate and they liked that even more. And then it's... Yeah. Uh, that's so why we escort them down not, the stairs by their face. We're not men haters. We're just haters of those who think that Listen, it's appropriate I'm to pussy grab grabbing haters. women. I'm not going to say that. Like, I don't care. Exactly. That's who we hate. Are you're those... pussy grabbing without consent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know that's inappropriate. You might walk away with a broken arm, hands, <laughs> fingers. You're walking away with something broken. <laughs> that simple. I think All that's right. fair. We went off on a million that's tangents right. this morning. Wait, what? We that's didn't. right. We don't hate all men, just disrespectful men. That's right. Thanks, Sean. And disrespectful anyone. I don't like disrespectful anyone. No. Nah. No pussy grabbing at all. None. Unless somebody says that that's what they like. Yeah, women too. Don't even try it. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to have another coffee and go back to bed. <laughs> I got to go do farm work. But when we didn't even touch on George Santos. Here's the whole story. He got indicted. We'll, to be continued. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I, I told you this week was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. All right. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us here for Juice Fresh Talk at Seed and Bean. Thanks to Seed and Bean for hosting us and our antics. We're hoping that you will join us. So we gather here Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Live show starts at 7.30 and we hope to have you come in here. We do have a special guest that joined us here yeah. today and we love that. Make sure that you are supporting local media like us. Go to BigMouthMediaFL.com. Get a subscription. You can get a subscription to Juice for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year, and you will be able to buy me a laptop where the keys work. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be incredible. So we can actually reply to these comments. So thanks, Sorry, friends. Guys. And then if you love all of the shows or just want to support all the shows here at Big Mouth Media, we have the everything package for $19.99 a month or $1.99 a year. That's a great deal, by the way, that will definitely help me get a new laptop so we don't miss any <laughs> episodes because it's the only thing that we have to record on. But that helps all of our great shows like A Democrat and A Republican can walk into a bar like misinformational like Howard. now with Howard Sapp and universal basic podcast with Chris Proya. We have so many amazing things going on here mm -hmm. and we want to keep you informed and interested and excited about the world around us. And even laugh when you need to, because damn it, this shit gets hard sometimes. I'm laugh. super funny. I tell <laughs> like my students too. at the beginning of the semester, I'm like, listen, you, this is interesting stuff, but stay because I'm hilarious. I like to think of myself as pretty funny as well. And we miss you, Chantel. And also, before we go, our special guest today who's in the audience, Dever, is my friend from FGCU. And I would like to publicly congratulate him on graduating last week from the Honors College. He is brilliant, and he is going to do amazing things in Washington, D.C. very soon, y'all. So look out for Dever in the future. Wings up to all of our FGCU grads and the grads across the state and country. Congratulations, and keep following those dreams, y'all. All right, have a great rest of your day. See you we'll next see you week. next week. Bye-bye.